So welcome to the Crow's Nest. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, I've been preparing some good, some good guests for you guys. Um, and so today I found an interesting man, an entrepreneur. His name's Adrian, and he's from Poland. And so Adrian, welcome to the show, uh, and welcome to the Crow's Nest. Uh, hello, Kai. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I was very happy to. Uh... To hear um, uh, you inviting me because I was like following a little bit the podcast and I've seen also some uh, of the uh, of our common friends also being on the podcast. So I was like, uh, yeah, very happy about the invitation. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're you're the type of guy with an interesting story that I think people love to hear about. You know, because like. I mean, so we we met first in San Francisco about three four years ago, and I remember that we we met at a party, and uh, at that time I was trying to find a housemate. I just like pulled the trigger on an apartment uh, and signed the lease for two weeks later, and I said, okay, in two weeks I need to find a housemate. And so I was at the party, you were at the party, and uh, our mutual friend Anne Marie just said, hey, you guys are both looking for housing. Why don't why don't you guys get together? And and that's how we met, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you know this party that was like my second or yeah, I think that was my second day in the United States. So I, I just came to the United States. Uh, that was my very first time. Uh, I've never been. I had never been there before. And it was like I was living in a hostel. Stayed the very first day in a hostel. And the second day, I was like, okay, let's go to some meetup. And there was some <laughs> cryptocurrency meetup in, I think, um, I don't know how the city is called, San Mateo. Uh, there were YouTube is based. Uh, never mind. Yeah. But we, we met there in a um, in a um, in a at the meetup, and I met uh, uh, Anna Marie there, and we were talking about cryptocurrency. And then they were they were like, "Hey, we are going to a party. Do you want to come?" And I was like, "Sure, I want to come." So you know, this was my <laughs> second day in the states, and I met a lot of people, including you. And then immediately. Uh, we went on living together. So just to say this, uh, this party and like meeting you guys, this shaped my image of United States a lot. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that's what I love most about San Francisco is it's so dynamic, like it attracts people from everywhere in the world and they come to San Francisco with a purpose. And, and, you know, you, you meet people with interesting, uh, interesting missions, I think, going to San Francisco. And, and you were there because you were running a cryptocurrency startup at that point and you wanted to make oh. connections in San Francisco, right? Um, that, um, so I, I wasn't running a cryptocurrency startup at that point. That was later. Um, when I came mm. to San Francisco, I would say I was maybe even a little bit lost. Um, you know, I, I did have a startup. Uh, we were running a, a marketplace application where you can outsource some tasks to students in your neighborhood. Um, so this was uh, an application running in uh, Germany. And I was like in my early 20s, like I was, I think, 23 at that uh, time. And um you know, it was growing and I thought, okay, let's collect capital. Uh, let's collect some venture capital. And I went to San Francisco because I had this image in my um, in my mind about, okay, this is the place to be when you, uh, when you have a startup. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, but still, I was a little bit uh, lost because at that time um, I did not know really what I want to do. Uh, I was studying also at that time. Um, I was uh, working at corporates uh, and I was running the startup. Um, and before I moved to San Francisco, I uh, quitted my studies. I quitted my uh, my job, my corporate job, and I thought, okay, let's concentrate on the startup. So, mm. uh, uh, as you said, people are coming to San Francisco with uh, some purpose. I was ra- I was rather coming to San Francisco to find some purpose. I would uh, I would say. Um, huh. And the cryptocurrency um, business that uh, that I started uh, the end of 2018. So this was uh, uh, already after I returned from San Francisco. Hmm. I see. Interesting. So, so in a way, you did find some sort of perspective from San Francisco that that helped you later on start uh, a startup that you wanted to start. Uh, yes, 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 certainly. So, um, <laughs> you know, like when I, um, like I realized in uh, um, in the Bay Area, like after meeting a lot of investors and talking to them, um, like they crushed my idea. Like, uh, so I was very, you know, put down by that. Um, and um, I did not find funding. Um and when I returned, I um, like I was a little bit shattered, and then it gave me cert- certainly some um, like it made me think that uh, that I shouldn't be maybe this guy that uh, just likes an idea and follows stupidly uh, after this idea, but maybe also do this do some planning about that, right? So like uh, okay. um, like. Starting a company or running a startup is um, like you should expect uh, from the founders the same qualities as you would expect, for example, working for a corporate. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so, so uh, you know, I, I'm curious about your experiences talking to these um these venture capitalists or investors because like i think most people you know see them as like next level you know just people with a lot of money people you know people never talk to so what what was it like talking to these guys um so like you have to imagine like a house in somewhere in the silicon valley somewhere in palo alto and it's just a very humble looking house and then you get into the house and it's like uh, there's like a kitchen and uh, like there's a <laughs> conference room and some, some people are there and uh, like it looks very small, the house, you know, very compact. And then the guy co- comes and like you pitch to him and uh, uh, yes. And then like they decide to give you 200,000 or 300,000 or not. And um, so they... Um, like uh, that was i i thought at the beginning that this very um I, I had some kind of fear about that but then it was like they were actually very nice uh 
uh, very critical, hmm. but at the same time, they took the time to kind of uh, give an honest feedback that I did not receive at the uh, in, in Germany. And um, hmm. so I, I think that is uh, of, of big value. And uh, Interesting. yeah. So they're just normal guys. They're not like dudes in suits or, or that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm I'm sure there are some guys in suits, but uh, I did not uh, meet them. So those guys huh. I met, those were like rather small venture capitals, um, uh, capital firms, um, maybe family running offices. Um, yeah. Huh. So how how did you find these venture capitalists? How did you link up so, with them? So yeah. So actually, I did not have to go to San Francisco for that because. Um, when I was in Europe, um, in Germany, I was attending some hackathons um, and I won some of those hackathons. Uh, most uh. prominent is the TechCrunch tech, tech Disrupt um, in 2017 um, in Berlin. Um, so, you know, those guys were there and they've seen me and they were like asking, hey, um, let's talk, right? So, and then we uh, chatted and um, they also had, a, so it all started, they also had an office in, in Zurich so, hmm. but I, I was already traveling to the United States and they were like, hey, we already have an office there. And this is how it all, all started. So after the very first speech, they said like, um, hey, it would be good. Like, we are not sure, uh, but like, we would like that you present um, at some event and then like, uh, see if our mm -hmm. colleagues like it as well. So they looked at the um, like confirmation as well, you know? Um, and that's how it all started. So I, I it was just one huh. link, uh, and then it just um, it um, like uh, this one link enabled you to basically uh, pitch them to other firms. Um, also, yeah. at that point, um, I had an employee, so she was basically reaching out to some people. Um, but this, she was reaching out not for um, not for investments, but we are looking for partnership for for the firm. So she was reaching to uh, CEOs or um, some employees at companies in San Francisco and arranging meetings. So I, I also had like a, a, a person with like, uh, and she was she was just doing that. Mm. And interesting. So that was really the point where you decided you would quit your corporate job and, and go full on in this startup and just kind that of... Was, that was before, um, that was before, yeah, before I moved, but yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I realized it's um, um, so one one thing to understand is um, that we had a business model, uh, we had a, like a marketplace technology. We started to license this marketplace to uh, this marketplace technology to other startups and companies that wanted to build some kind of peer to peer marketplaces, um, and every project. Um, had this licensing part and also a consulting part about that. So because mm -hmm. like it's not when you want to start that kind of um, marketplace, peer-to-peer um, -peer marketplace, it's not only like you configure the technology and it all runs, but you also need some kind of consulting help. So we were taking mm -hmm. on both and uh, consulting was making money and the licensing, well, it, it was rather a small part. And um, so, and the licensing would need to scale for, for this business to become big business and scalable business. Um, so, 
um, and that didn't work out, right? So it's um, I realized that if we just concentrate on the consulting and make it more, maybe a little bit broader, but with the technologies that we were using for the marketplace, it might be actually quite a good business, not scalable, but quite a good business in terms of like mm. uh, like per person money. I see. Interesting. Kind of like refining the idea. Maybe like your idea in the beginning was like very big and a little too broad, huh? Yeah. So, you know, like I like to think that um, it's just a temporary thing. So um, I went into this um, just to um, because it it works. It's uh, uh, you can make, uh, I would say, pretty good money from this. Um, uh, not millions, but pretty good money. Um, like comparable with working um, for Google or for like um, other companies like that. Um, and at some point, you know, when maybe I'm 35 or 40, I will I will just get back into having actually my own product company because right now consulting company is not really a, it's more like a, a bigger freelancing business. So that's, uh, uh, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know the uh, yeah. statistics. The statistics say, like even the Silicon Valley, like a successful founder um, uh, is like thirty-five years old. So I'm way too young. Uh, <laughs> and the, stat the statistics it does not um, like the statistics play uh, right now against me and not in favor of me. So. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, you know, like they have to try a lot, um, you know, and maybe fail a lot and, and go on this path. And I, I guess it does take a long time, right? Like, I mean, like the first time you even came here and pitched to the VCs, you were saying earlier about how your idea, you know, they, they, they thought there were a lot of improvements that could be made to the ideas. But then, then you still stuck with it. I mean, you're still with your own consulting business right now, right? Then you started a crypto uh, startup afterwards. So it, it does seem like you took their feedback and kind of like continued with it and continued progressing towards your goal of, you know, starting something. Uh, yes, yes, that's for sure. So um, that's for sure. So um, and, you know, I, I learned also uh, from this a lot. Um, I certainly don't regret that. It's um, so like the, the startup, it eventually failed. Um, we don't do it anymore. But if I had not done it in the past, I would certainly right now not be doing that what I do. So um, mm -hmm. this is like for me, like the best education I could get, <laughs> kind of. Uh, and, you know, at that time, I, I, I studied physics at one of the best universities in Germany, in Heidelberg. Um, and uh, at that time, I, I, I quitted the studies for the startup. Um, and since mm -hmm. then, I, I have not finished it. And <laughs> at, at that time, it felt like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It felt like a big risk. I decided for this, but it felt, I felt very uncomfortable about that. And it is maybe like right now it has been maybe two, two years. I think that I'm all right with that. I say, okay, I did exactly mm. the steps I should have done and I don't regret that. Um, wow. So um, what, what do you think led to your being okay with that big step in your life? I mean, I, I work with people that have PhDs, that have master degrees, um, and I uh, don't have like a, co a complex that I'm um, um, 
inferior, that my skills maybe are inferior or that um, um, so we we stay at the same level, right? So yeah, um, and it took time to uh, see that first. And um, <laughs> I also at that time, I thought, you know, because the society tells you, you need to study, you need to get a job, you need to blah, 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 blah. blah. So there is like a certain steps every uh, person needs to fulfill to be considered successful. And then there are, of course, mm -hmm. the so uh, some exceptions, but like, I mean, like the standard usual type of a, per of a successful person. So um, I was a little bit afraid. I didn't know, of course. Um, I was a little bit afraid. Hey, uh, if I don't follow this conventional path, will I be able to get on to the next level? Uh, will I be, you know, allowed to um, by maybe other people, by the recruiters, by the people at the company that maybe interview? And now I see uh, that hasn't been an obstacle at all. And um, mm. um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've got something very unique about you, which is that, like, when you see a path, you take it, you know, you have a lot of faith that, like, when you have an idea, you follow it and, and you follow kind of your instincts. And that's what I admire about you the most, you know, like when we met, I was like, wow, this guy is so young. He's like traveling all over for his company. You know, he's meeting these VCs. He has like some sort of drive, you know, and, and I, I think I think I think that kind of makes your life interesting in a different way like you have different experiences to tell and different learnings that you learn that like most other people haven't learned sure just one question kai uh we are the same age right you are 28 27 uh, i'm 28 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so we are the <laughs> same age <laughs> Oh man! I, For some reason, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, when I met you, I had exactly the same feeling uh, about you. Um, really? Because, <laughs> yeah, because like you were like when we met, you were talking about uh, you were traveling a lot at that time, or you had just traveled through words and you've been to Africa and uh, everywhere. I was like, wow, wow, and here I am. I I've just seen, you know, a little a little bit of Europe, and here I am in the big world, in San Francisco, uh, and uh, I, I I felt like, wow, this guy has seen a lot. So uh, that that feeling was uh, mutual. That's interesting. Maybe like we're both like the type of person that like like follows our kind of like sometimes impulses, sometimes feelings, thinks about ideas a lot, uh, right? Like, and I think sometimes like we forget that like you know because I think sometimes we're always thinking, oh, what would the normal path have looked like? Oh, like you know, if I had gone to school and gotten a PhD, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, what, what would I be doing now? You know, like, am I doing better now or not? And, and sometimes, yeah, I think you're right. It does take a little bit of time to think like, actually, the things that I did in life do start making more sense. And, and I'm happy I did them because like I learned something interesting out of, you know, the different things that I did. And you connect the dots. Um, and also you have to say, like, if you, for example, do the standard conventional path, um, uh, like some doors open, but at the same time, you close some doors. Like you need time to do a PhD. You need time to go through um, like your first job, like three years, then you get a better position and so on and so on. And then like you are someone 10 years later 
and you end up like having a good job maybe being in an age of 35 right so mm -hmm. you're already kind of uh, so some doors have already closed in that time and we don't think about that uh, following the the conventional path like you're missing on so much other stuff like yeah. um like for example like we wanted to talk about bitcoin so i i do maybe a, a smooth transition to that for example <laughs> yeah. like people 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 keep their us dollars in their account or euro um where i live and you know they don't think that and this is like the default option you keep money in the fiat currency right but they don't think mm -hmm. like hey i'm actually investing in a fiat currency like i'm investing in the currency because like i keep money mm. there and i speculate that it will not uh, lose value over time which we true. actually know it's not true so most people don't think that it's that keeping money just in your in your saving accounts is also a form of investment um yeah that's right. That's right. That that's an interesting way to look at it. It's like anything that you own is a statement that like you this thing will be valuable in the future, right? <laughs> sure, sure. And I mean if you had for example not keep the money in US dollars but invested in Tesla at the beginning of the year, um 2020 I mean, um then um then I don't know, you would have made seven times your money. So in terms of you know tesla stock you are you are like minus 90 percent uh on your investments in fiat currency uh <laughs> had you invested in bitcoin uh at for example in march or last year uh you know uh, compared to bitcoin you are minus 70 80 percent as well so mm. um yeah. sure it doesn't look like a very uh very good pay payout so I, I want to ask you more about like, um, you know, your interest in cryptocurrency. I know that you started a cryptocurrency now after you left San Francisco. Like, yeah. how did that go and what was your interest in crypto? Uh, well, I could talk about it for like there are so many things about cryptocurrency that I that re that I'm really attracted to. And I, I can't decide which uh, I'm attracted most. Um, I think <laughs> like. Um, the first, the absolutely first one um, is that it can, cannot be censored. So you are in charge of your own money and uh, no one can take it from you. Um, you are like, if you have the keys um, and no one steals the keys from you, you are the sole person in charge of your money. It cannot be taken from you. It cannot be confiscated. No one can censor you from doing transactions or sending transactions to a specified address. And that was like the very first, when I discovered cryptocurrency, that was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That's like, that's like, that's like a, like a hedge against, you know, central banks and uh, hedge against uh, like political systems as well. Um, mm. So this was my path of thinking. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, the second thing is that, uh, uh, especially right now, uh, look, uh, Federal Reserve, it prints money like crazy. They printed like uh, 
2 trillion dollar or 1.5 trillion dollar in March. Uh, now there is another program uh, of uh, pouring 2 trillion dollar into the economy oh, by the Democrats. Yeah. So they, they are just discussing that. So like this is like what 20% of the entire uh uh, of the entire debt of the United States in one year. <laughs> this is crazy. So like if you look at the yeah. US dollar, this this is like inflationary. It has inflationary character. And like, um, so Bitcoin kind of protects you um, against that. Um, or that was the promise of Bitcoin because Bitcoin is just the opposite of it. You, it has a deflationary character there there are 21 million bitcoins there will be no more than this and um so this was also something that i i was very attracted to and that's just the I peak see. of it right so because cryptocurrency not, it's not just bitcoin um you have also this uh, amazing uh, worldwide computer called ethereum uh, uh so this uh, when like this is like a completely entire topic uh, that you could also talk uh, for hours about <laughs> and um um yeah. yeah i i yeah so i think there is huge potential in like like these cryptocurrencies right just because they're decentral like no one really controls the money supply the money is just what the money is right and and um uh do you so i mean do you think this will eventually replace fiat currencies issued by governments if these trends continue or where do you see the future of it going um i mean mm, so i see definitely a future a clear future for cryptocurrency but i don't think it will replace replace fiat currencies i mean saying like this um, like we all already have gold right so gold in its yeah. properties um it's very similar to Bitcoin. Like the only difference is that it's physical and Bitcoin is digital. Um, and we do not have right now an economy uh, running on gold, based on gold. Like um, we have, um, and it's, uh, we have a fractional reserve system. And like, um, for example, like if the entire economy switched to um, switch to Bitcoin or switch to gold, we, like we can make that kind of analogy, then like the entire banking system would make much less money. So for example, that's that's like a bank. It's like right now you have this fractional reserve system, like bank, the bank needs to hold like only 10% of the money that it lends and it collects interest from the 100%, but it needs to hold just 10%. So it's like leverage 10 times, right? So that wouldn't yeah. be possible with Bitcoin. You wouldn't be able to have that. So like mm. the uh, governments, um, like they, I, I don't think they will allow Bitcoin to really take the spots. And I, I, I think like, uh, I wouldn't bet that that won't change anytime, uh, anytime mm. soon. So I don't see Bitcoin really replacing fiat money, um, especially that, um, you know, like you have like right now right now most of the uh, most of the payments are digital period like uh, uh, like if i send money to you it's a digital transaction and it's much cheaper yeah. transaction in terms like if uh, the fees that i pay so um 
it's just I don't see Bitcoin as a good um, um, good candidate for that, especially like you cannot expect, for example, this microtransaction like I pay, for example, of for like five dollars or one dollar. Um, oh. Like I, I cannot I cannot do that with Bitcoin. Like the fees are like twenty dollar or fifty dollar with Bitcoin. Oh. So um, like this this would um, um, uh, that that's not possible, uh, so to say. Uh, so, uh, but I certainly see Bitcoin. Uh, I certainly see a, a, a spot for Bitcoin in the future, and I I, I consider it rather as a, a as digital gold, something to hmm. hedge against like the entire collapse of financial systems in the world. Um, I see that also yeah. as a very very good way to transfer um, bigger amounts of money uh, abroad, and um, yeah. So I mean, e- economies economies occasionally experience crashes because of what you're saying, like the fractional reserves that the bank lends out ninety percent of the money that it doesn't even have, and so it's almost like you have this like this chain of people owing people and then if some people in the end can't come up with the money then no one can pay anyone back and at the end people are like oh like like they stop investing right like they stop trusting people to take money and and do economic activity with it is that like would you say that's a reasonable way or a reason that it might happen uh, so um like we don't know that like if that happened, that would uh, that would mean the entire collapse of the financial system. But like uh, at the moment, the like Federal Reserve prints money, and if there is a liquidity crunch, um, so that's what you describe is like a liquidity crunch. People don't have liquidity enough liquidity to po- to pay for the outstanding debts or outstanding premiums and interest payments that they need to pay. Um, so that's like a liquidity crunch. So, but that happened 2008, right? Or uh, and that happened right now also in March. And what the United States government did, um, the Federal Reserve printed a lot of money. They uh, bought bonds, bonds from the United States um, government, and then the government um, like gave them money to um, to banks to lend to people on some very mm-hmm. good conditions. Um, they were buying municipal bonds and st- and like um, so to you know to close the um, the uh, the the spreads and I um, so the thing is that uh, if it happens that's gonna be terrible but I don't think that's gonna happen like you can always print money and uh, <laughs> like the governments can do it for another 50 years 100 years maybe maybe it's uh, maybe it's one year right but we don't know uh, from that's what i think it might be another 100 years and um, interesting so it's almost like in in 2008 the governments learned oh when you have a liquidity crunch you can print more money to stave it off because if people can't pay each other back you just say oh wait 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 here's some money i just printed now you can use that money to pay everyone back so everyone's happy the economy doesn't crash but exactly. then then i mean i guess i guess in a sense what it's doing is it's giving the like investors a bigger share of all the money supply right because they can just even if they make bad investments well i suppose yeah i 
yeah, they, they still keep everything, right, in a way. So, yeah, and we've seen it right now in the recent months, like the economy crashed uh, due to Corona. Uh, the economy uh, not even crashed, it stopped, like the music stopped playing. Yeah. And uh, we are at the, at the all-time highs, uh, like the SP500 is the all-time high, NASDAQ is all-time high right now. We have, yeah. um, you know, uh, valuations into the sky. Um, so, yeah. And at the same time, uh, like the, 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 the richer get richer and the poorer get poorer because um, so it's uh, it's a important topic. It's uh, also um, like, but it doesn't need to be like you, the politicians. I think they can they can make it in a way um, like they can um, split the money um, in a way that it secures that it works against inequality um, and that uh, poor receives a receive chunk of it, but it did not happen. So I, 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 I know like you guys receive like uh, unemployment benefits and like unconditional checks, like every American do, um, does that, um, has it. Uh, we don't have it in Europe. The money doesn't go to Europe, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I don't think it helped much. Um, so Yeah. Yeah. And like in the long term, if you just keep increasing the money supply, I mean, well, I mean, you know, uh, and, and the, the... I mean, you can do that. It's just con like if you if you grow your economy and like if you grow your economy by two or three percent and you pay one percent interest on the debt that you issue, you can do it forever and you can up in huh. like absolute terms grow your money forever, grow your debt forever without paying it back. Um, huh. Just rolling it over to new bonds um, and never pay the money um so and, but that that yeah. that means your economy would have to increase exponentially right because you're issuing more and more debt and you're expecting more and more return on an ever-growing debt and so your gdp has to go up exponentially for that to work right um well yeah sure that's the biggest problem of the growth economy like we cannot go forever uh like that yeah. so ultimately will crash but you know uh, at the end also the sun will explode so uh, <laughs> i mean the system is set up uh, in a way maybe it can run 100 years maybe it can run 500 years so um it's uh, uh, like it's it's it will happen no question about that it's just uh, the question is will it happen next 10 years next 100 years or next 500 years yeah, what what interests me is like what type of things the system does to people in the system, right? Because like people keep saying, oh, people worked longer and longer hours. People like feel more and more pressure at work to do things faster and faster, produce more things. And um, it almost feels like to me, it's a symptom of like this pressure of always having to produce more and more, right? Because when you increase your debt, then you have to increase your GDP. And not only do you have to increase your GDP, you have to increase it more than you did last year for this debt cycle to remain sustainable. And so that results in like, I think people working longer hours, working more, like always having this pressure to like keep this machine growing like ever faster, right? And I think 
I think yet at some point, like humans are only capable of like increasing their productivity so much too, right? I think that's also a limit. Um, that for a human, that's for sure. Yes, but like if you look at the factory, it's mostly automated. So ah. uh, like you can keep increasing the productivity of machines, and uh, like I mm. see a lot of breakthroughs in the coming years as well. Uh, putting like saving us like millions trillions of dollars or euros um a year so um like i i i i and like whatever state you are in i think whatever state you are in you can still optimize it right so like there are so many ever-changing variables in the system that you can still strive to optimize it we will never reach a point when it's like when in trans Hundred percent optimized. That is like the 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 solution to everything. That is the, like the maximum peak. Um, so I think that's um, like you can always op- optimize productivity. That's yeah, that's like okay. ever increasing productivity. That's that's probably why we haven't seen much of inflation. Um, I see. Interesting. Like government government prints money. Like like two thousand eight. Um, I don't know if you recall. Um, I don't recall. I was too young at the time, but um, <laughs> I, re- I, I read about that. Like people at the time expected inflation because the government uh, started to do the quantitative easing. They started the, the, the Federal Reserve started to print a lot of money by the bonds. Um, the money was pump, pumped into the economy. So a lot of people expected inflation that did not happen. And um, they are still like, Asking, hey, why why did that not happen? So I personally think that it's like because we increase our productivity so much due to automation and also globalization, that like mm-hmm. um, like the inflation was kind of hidden by the increase um, in productivity. Interesting. Yeah, because consumer goods like probably got cheaper and so they stayed at the same price or even fell as the money supply grew. But but then like I think things like real estate, things that don't increase as exponentially yeah. as consumer goods, that got more expensive, right? And perhaps that is why real estate prices went up so much in the last decade. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy what happens. Like a normal person is priced out from the real estate market and um I, I don't know. It's this is like you see the inflation here. You see the inflation in stocks, but um, but so this is a problem. Like this is a problem because like how yeah. how can it be that the person owning real estate uh, like like you know at like just earns ten percent a year just because the value of the real estate uh, increases. Uh, and like besides that, that person does nothing else. But someone who works hard, yeah. for example, entire year, um, cannot even earn that ten percent increase in uh, real estate value to even afford it, right? Because like he's yeah. priced out every year, every year out of the real estate market. So um, when I was um, in San Francisco, I was um, getting an Uber. And there were like two girls, they were chatting. And one of them said, um, I have a million dollar on my account. I cannot afford real estate. So, <laughs> and, and at that time I found like, wow, that's fucking crazy. That's, that's crazy. 
um, but <laughs> but you see but you see the same thing in Europe. Uh, so the same thing happens in Berlin. The same thing happens in Paris. The same thing happens right now right now in Warsaw. So it's starting right now to to happen in Warsaw. So um, I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and and the you know the point you make about productivity always being able to keep the GDP increasing exponentially. I think yeah, like automation AI, I think that will be able to probably happen. But then there's also the consumer side, right? Like the increase of GDP has to be matched with an, a, a corresponding increase in consumption. Otherwise, all these goods would just lay rotting and and the economy wouldn't go. And so and so that also like our system makes it so that we have to consume more and more year after year, right? Uh, I, I think the equation is like the cons consumer spending, the, the salaries plus the government spending, right? So like uh, if government <laughs> spends more money, which happens right now, then uh, the GDP also increases. So it's like, uh, oh. um, yeah. I see. So it, it's either the productivity it goes to the consumers or the productivity goes to the government in like making say warplanes or making roads or say making bridges yeah, that, exactly. that kind of stuff right yeah interesting yeah. um but, you know I, huh. I i see like like the next years i uh, i i see the productivity increasing a lot so it's uh like we are probably at the at the breakthrough of like self-driving cars going on roads and like yeah. Let alone that, that's such a productivity increase. Like, you know, like if you look, for example, I don't know, do you own a car? You own a boat? I do. I, oh. Yes, yes. I own a car too, though. <laughs> okay. So you are like a, a multimodal traveler. Um, I, I, I can go uh, many places. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a good in the COVID times, I think. Uh, <laughs> especially when they close the airlines so but look you spend probably like 100 hours in traffic every year 100 hours this is like three four days um four days so like it just if the car drove itself um if you were brought from a to b uh, without having like to have the attention on the road like you can spend the time otherwise you could work and so on um, also, like the entire transportation industry um, or ride-sharing ride -sharing industry will become much cheaper. So here we go, uh, much, much, um, like this is a productivity increase that we will see in the next coming years. Mm. So the productivity increase, you're saying the people who take the cars will now have free time to do something else. Is that the productivity increase you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. And um, like all the, for example, transportation companies like Uber, um, they they would just increase their profit. Um, they uh, like all the taxi mm. cabs. They don't they don't need drivers anymore. They will not have to uh, have drivers behind the wheel uh, at some point. Yeah. Um, and um so this is so so yeah so so then these these companies will make more money their their business will be more productive maybe even some people who take the cars will become more productive but if like you're saying the productivity uh, uh shifts more to ai 
and and automation, then then the people who take the cars, their productivity won't actually matter as much as the the AI and automation productivity. And so there's less for people to do with their time to to make more money in this situation, right? Um, So like they will pay. uh, So it's also significant for the people that take the rights, like they will pay less uh, just because the cost is less. Um, mm. and, um, like you, there is nothing speaking against, for example, working from a car, right? You could have a mobile office, like think about that. Like this is possible te- theoretically, like if you don't have to like pay the attention to the road, you could work remotely, for example, being a programmer or like accountant or something, uh, mm. you could do that. So, and like if you right now have a um, have a let's say like a sales job like you probably do something with salesforce you call your clients and so on you uh, you do something with the software so like all this can be done remotely so and right now you go to your work it's like one hour then you spend eight hours at work and then you go one hour home so it's like 10 hours combined so you could cut mm. this time by two hours basically yeah but but all this yeah uh, all this productivity increase will be peanuts compared to what the ai does and who whoever owns the ais right and so like i think maybe even these freelancers won't find that much of a money making or that much of a place i or maybe they'll they'll be part of like the internet service economy because i think i see like this internet service economy pop up and and now people serve offering services on the internet either in terms of content uh social media or like apps games like that's almost becoming like the human like driven economy whereas the ai is kind of taking over productivity in factories and like like material goods um sort of thing right so um so you basically say that it won't matter for the end consumer that it will just matter for the companies that um, that control it, that build it, or um... maybe yes, yes. I I think yes. I think the additional productivity that people have due to like a, a, you know more productive economy, I think it it can't be shown in material goods. It has to be some sort of service or like some internet service, I guess, because like like the productivity gains, I guess in terms of like uber or in terms of office or working that's like most easily applied towards the internet right and maybe that's why the internet economy is booming so much and so much money is there now uh, yeah so let's face it true like if people have time in their car they will just watch netflix most of them <laughs> uh, and they will not work true. um so true it's uh and you can see why for example sony like the entertainment company that uh that also produces playstation they recently they uh they produced like a car electric car with an entertainment system and they are into this business just because of that like they they will capitalize oh. on this um people are spending having more time uh, or like spending the same amount of time but at like some point just untapping this time for something else 
freeing it for something else. This this will go mostly to entertainment companies, probably. Hmm. Yeah, and it it makes sense that more and more of our spending is geared towards entertainment these days rather than buying things, right? Because maybe before, like people bought cars and and things and furniture more, but now people are tending to like buy services, subscriptions, like what you're saying, cars with entertainment, like uh, uh, movies online, that kind of stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. So subscription business, like you don't have to own it; you just pay for the use. Um, I'm a big yeah. fan, actually, for of that. I think that's uh, um, so. I think that's good. I, I think that's like uh, even in terms of cars, uh, for example, um, like to own a car that's a, such a waste. Like norm, like I own a car. It stands there right now, does nothing. It just stands there in the cold and does nothing. <laughs> and, I, and I drive it maybe a day, 10 minutes at the moment. So like mm. the 23 hours, 15 minutes, it does nothing. Such a waste. Um, so um, if like I could imagine the technology uh, increases, uh, it improves. Um, and because like Uber, for example, where I live, there is no Uber. So it's hard to imagine there are part of the, of the world like this, but there, there are no, like I would have to go to a bigger city for that. But that's where I am. Huh. There is, there, there is no Uber. So like, there's no other way of owning, like you have to own a car or I see. Yeah. Huh. So what, um, what, what do you think, um, your, your end goal in business or entrepreneurship is like, you're, you're still very interested in kind of like owning a company and, and, and doing that kind of stuff later on, huh? Uh, or you, yes, well, you do but, now. Um, so it's um, um, like at some point I would like to start my own business, but or like would say a product business, uh, not a consulting business. A consulting business uh-huh. it does not scale. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know what will it be. It's um, so it's um, like I see a lot of problems, but then like if you look for a solution, for example, you most likely find a solution so uh, like it's i don't see right now a big um just to start something alone that would be very very hard for me in my opinion so um so like i what i'm striving right now rather is to join companies and to work with companies on like on something already existing and to improve that um so this is this is uh, like this is like at the moment for me the appeal of the consulting business because I can work with bigger companies um, in Germany and Germany has been a little bit left behind in the entire digitization. We don't have so many uh, internet companies and most of the stuff um, has been um, paper and pencil or how do you say that? It has hasn't been digitized. And mm. uh, like the few uh, last years, a lot of companies right now are migrating um, and digitizing their services. Um, so I, I I work with few companies um, um, right now, like my, my biggest client is from the insurance space. And there is so much digitization happening right now in insurance. Um, uh-huh. So even like this kind of standard thing of uploading an invoice into the cloud like, um, I mean, if you go to a doctor, you get an invoice from the doctor um, and then like you need to upload it for the insurance companies. Like 
few years ago, you would send it by post um, or by email. Um, right now, you have like an application for that, much, much improving the times um, for um, for the submission and, for example, like the questions that pop up. Hey, how do I do that? Um, and like there are so many use cases across the entire spectrum that I can be right now involved in working with those companies. Um, so like for the few next years, I will probably continue that. It's a lot of fun. Um, it won't be like a very big business. It will be uh, it will be a good business, but it won't be very good business. But it will be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. you know, like the if I was to compare like that on a scale, um, on a scale like of fun, fun scale, right? Does it make <laughs> it as much fun as it was before um, having a startup? Uh, exactly as much fun. It's just at some point. Um, like you want to improve, you want to develop, you want to do bigger and bigger things. So I think at yeah. some point it will just make sense and it will be just the next natural step to start your own product company solving some kind of a problem. Um, I see. So like, yeah. is your main passion for business kind of like solving problems or, or like enjoyment of the business or, or uh, like a mix? Um yeah, yeah, I need to like that. So I'm, uh, uh, I need to be f like, I need to be completely lost in that. Like, um, it's, uh, it's just if something does not interest me, if something there, if there is something that like I wouldn't do, like, if like I would need to do something, no one would be paying for me. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, no one would pay. Yeah me for me doing that and that's and i would still do that so if and if it's mm. not like that i won't do that and uh, mm. so you just have to you know uh, find stuff exactly like that but um that other people would pay you for that yeah so i don't know <laughs> if it's clear enough uh, i found like my english just got broken <laughs> for a while oh, I, uh, I, think, that, I think but... you <laughs> I think you described it very well. It's like following your passion, right? It's like yes, whatever yes. you would have done anyways, even if people didn't pay you to do, but now you're so good at it that people will pay you to do it exactly. and you just enjoy doing it. That would be the ideal kind of life, wouldn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I think like you should just strive for this, you know, you just have to go for your passion and then um, like business will follow because it's easy. Like uh, hmm. banks print money. Money is for free. Like in, you, <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, like they they throw money everywhere. So if you are good enough at something and you do it with passion, uh, like if you do something with passion, eventually you will good, get good enough at that, and eventually someone will pay for you for this, and that's a bit, hmm. like the perfect combination. Interesting. Interesting. Is your passion still with crypto? You think? <laughs> Um, my passion is still in crypto, but I need to confess yeah. that I hold at the moment, uh, like I sold it almost everything. It's just at the moment it's crazy. So, um, uh, it might be a mistake, uh, but, uh, I learned in 2017, uh, and 2000, because like there was this big explosion in crypto also in 2017 and I mm. did not sell anything. Like I was just selling a little bit to pay rent in San Francisco. 
uh, <laughs> and then I was transferring <laughs> the part of my rent to you. Um, but besides that, I did not sell um, anything. So when right now the price was got even higher, I sold it all. Um, so, but I'm still a big fan, big fan on crypto. I see a spot, and um, like I see it as like the like it's a hedge for an entire collapse of financial systems at the moment. I see. Yeah. yeah, it's like that that freedom of it attracts you. It it is, yeah, it is like this sort of thing that like it's almost like gold in a way, right? Like people have valued gold throughout thousands of years of civilization. And it's like throughout all different sorts of empires, different peoples, like everyone values gold and maybe Bitcoin like is the digital version of that, which will make financial transactions somewhat easier, maybe in a way in the future. I could see that for sure. Yes, yes, that's uh, for sure. It's just... Um, um... So I, I so I, I I think Bitcoin is great and um, but like I'm much more attracted to Ethereum to be uh, honest like um, yeah. I, I have you heard about Ethereum for sure yes you have. I I, ha- I have some but uh, tell tell us more about Ethereum what what you so, know because I think a lot of people don't know so it's like Bitcoin but it's programmable so there is this concept of smart contracts in in Ethereum. Um, that um, that you can kind of program the rules of the contract and they will be automatically executed. And the contracts um, can be executed in the system um, by the use of ether. It's like the gas for the transactions in the in the system. And for example, you can just like, you can do for example peer to peer insurance. Um, with uh, with smart contracts on Ethereum, like insurance companies at the at, at the moment, this is like you just collectively pay something, and if something bad happens, like the insurance company gives you money, right? But like uh-huh. this is like a centralized centralized spot, and the same thing could be done, for example, with smart contracts on Ethereum. Like you can have a, like your social group, there is a smart contract. Um, in like everyone pays in there are like some specific pre-specified rules and then like if something happens then can be like a gremium deciding okay we pay it out and can be like completely decentralized it's not controlled by any any central party um the insurance if something happens the insurance won't tell you like okay you cannot do that because it would be too much for us to pay um so and it's uh, like you can apply it to almost every 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 business. Like also in real estate, um, like there it's uh, like what you can do with Ethereum. You could create like a link to a real world and tokenize real assets. Like we have like those tokens. Like you can issue new cryptocurrencies on on Ethereum, and you could, for example, do something like. Um, okay, you have a real estate. Right now, I tokenize it, and there are like hundred tokens, um, and every token is like equal one percent of the real estate, um, and mm. gives you rights to to that. So it can be done on Ethereum in totally decentralized way. 
Um, so here, here, here's my question about the insurance example, or, or yeah. I guess any other contract example. Like, let's say your insurance company gives you some Ethereum and says, okay, if you crash your car uh, and it's someone else's fault, we'll pay you the money immediately. But like, who's to determine like the conditions under which it's paid, right? Like, who's to determine whose fault it was, yeah, exactly. even if it's in the contract? So it's like it's coded in the in the in the smart contract. Uh, of course, you need to probably have some external decision making gremium, um, like uh, like uh, like deciding is that really a case. Um, mm. So, but you can still have that. Like you can still have the uh, you can still have the link between the smart contract, the programmable smart contract, and an outside party um, that can be also decentralized in a way. Uh, deciding that so uh, oh, I see. like for example um like in an insurance let's uh, let's take the insurance example so uh, like i destroyed my car um or and i make some photos i describe my case and there are some kind of evidence and stuff like that and you can upload that into the smart contracts and then the smart contracts distributes it through its um, architecture, for example, to 100 independent people that vote. Okay, is it the case? Oh. Is that not the case? Um, so we can do it that way. Or you can distribute the decision huh. to like a gremium of 10 or 20 people that are nominated for the smart contracts to make those decisions. So like, how does that happen? It's entirely programmable. Um, and, uh, like you don't need an insurance company for this. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It would be a decentralized way of making like payment decisions or so something like this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So like hmm. also, like you could also lend money and borrow money, um, on Ethereum. So basically like the whole entire banking system, you know, could be kind of uh, replicated on ethereum you have right now this this um this um ever rising DeFi and decentralized finance where you kind of uh um where you kind of pay do you have a smart contract you pay in ethereum um, and you can get out of the smart contract a stable coin called die token and this is like this die token is Kind of like one US dollar, so it always keeps the uh, keeps the um, its value and it's packed to one US dollar. So like you have already that kind of a use case. It's just um, yeah, it's 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 growing very fast. Um, I I don't know how many transactions or how many volume it has, but um, it has been growing like 300 percent a year for a few years. Um, and um, this this has been last year a big thing on Ethereum network, so you could do that. It's just it it will just take time for the adoption because like as with a new system and money, it's like people need to gain trust. They need to have it for a while. They need to start trusting it before they put mm. maybe some bigger amounts of money into this. So it will take some time before the adoption, I think. Um, but I I see that like at some point certainly happening and i'm much excited much more excited about ethereum at the time <laughs> right now than uh, bitcoin huh well uh that that was 
That was great to hear about. Uh, we are at the end of our hour, but um, I could have kept talking for much longer about this. You know, you you have a lot of insight into these specialized topics, and I think I think you're going to go far in this world. You know, I admire your expertise in all this. Well, we can still talk uh, after the talk a little bit. I have I have still some questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, uh, we'll we'll keep chatting, but um, this is the Crow's Nest signing off.